2: Hey, By the Book listeners, Kristen here. Did you know that you can receive a weekly Buy the Book affirmation mini-sode plus the rules of every book that we've lived by? It's easy. All you have to do is become a member of our Patreon community. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash listen to buy the Book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the Book, or just look at the episode description from today's show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jalenta.
3: Yes, Kristen.
2: It has been one week since we lived by how to be a bad bitch.
3: And you know what that means. It means it's time to be bad. No, it's (laughs) time for another by the book mini episode.
2: it's time for another by the book epilogue and this week we are looking at the aftermath of living by how to be a bad bitch by one amber rose a lot of you wrote in with a lot of things about this book and about amber rose
3: lots of bad bitch comments yes 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 um let's start with someone who liked the book shall we that's always a nice wholesome place to start Yes. Margot says, This is one of the few books I've read that you've covered on the show. I dragged the library hardback with the amazing cover art Swoon into work and my hip-hop fan colleague nearly sprained his face muscles rolling his eyes at it. So he earned himself a bad bitch lecture. I didn't take much practical advice from it. I still have zero clue about how to do makeup, but I enjoyed the heck out of it, despite the occasional clangor, like the gender essentialism.
2: Uh, Ah, it is a fun book. I will say that, Margot. It does have some problems, but uh, her voice, I think we said this in the main episode, her voice or her ghostwriter's voice really comes through in an enjoyable way. And, yeah, that cover with her naked on it, she looks good.
3: It's wild. Every time I see it in my e-reader, I'm like, whoa. (laughs) It's great.
2: (laughs) Now, some people wrote in to say that even though they haven't read the book, based on our episode, they actually agree with some of Amber Rose's advice. For example, Natalia says, I like Amber Rose's advice to create a voice in your head that's as supportive and loving as your mom's or whoever else believes in you. I did a similar exercise of creating the voice of the boss bitch best friend I always wanted, and now that's just my own voice a lot of the time. I realized that the overly critical and judgmental voices most often weren't my own, but based on things that were said to me and got stuck in there.
3: I feel like I deal with this all the time. You probably do too, Kristen. We all probably do. I assume you don't because you're perfect, but. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's. True. Like, how often do we stop and question, like, the sort of negative things we maybe have, like, on repeat in our head? Not very often. But I know my mom would be like, wait, I'm sorry, what'd you just say if I had, mm-hmm. like, said something like that out loud or, like, someone said something like that to me? And it's it's good to take that time and and pause and be like, do I actually believe this? Did someone tell me this when they were being shitty? Like, is this something I, like, don't believe at all?
2: yeah. Yeah. Is it something I read in a magazine? Is it something that some douche bro told me when I was in sixth grade? And um, Natalia, by the way, you're not the only one who wrote in to say, you already do this. You didn't need Amber Rose to tell you to do it. Several people said they already have the voice of their therapist in their head or they have the voice of a best friend in their head. And so it's nice to hear that so many of you already do this.
3: Yeah. This next one comes from Robin who says, I googled Amber Rose and still have no idea who she is, but I do agree with some of the points she makes. Specifically, I don't believe all men cheat, but if they do, you have two legit choices. Get over it or get out of it. If you stay together, but don't let it go, you're just torturing yourself and your partner. You deserve better.
2: Yes, I agree also. Um, Yeah, one or the other. You have to go through that middle ground, I'm sure, for a while while you decide what to do, but hopefully you don't stay in that middle ground forever because that's a lousy place to live. I wouldn't want to live there forever.
3: No, no, I don't I wouldn't want you to live there, please do not I, w- I don't want to visit you there.
2: <laughs> no, it's a lousy place. You just want to leave. Like, where's my ticket out of here? That's true. All right. A lot of you had thoughts on sex positivity and Amber Rose's thoughts on sex positivity. So let's start with this one from JC. JC says, I think a lot of people like to demonize women like Amber Rose who are sex positive, but I think these same people are forgetting that a lot of kids are getting negative messages at home or just as bad, no messages at all. When kids are hearing nothing but fear, shame, morality lessons, and warnings about sex, it's damaging. When they're being taught that boys have urges and girls must protect their chastity, it's both damaging and sexist. Sure, Amber Rose isn't for everyone, but I can't fault her for telling the world that it's okay for women to enjoy consensual sex and to be honest about what they like in
3: bed. True that. There's no such thing as, like, fucking used goods. Like, You know? Or, like, the shit that, like, you would watch bros, like, high-five over where, like, mm, gross, tacky, like, to women, like, let's get over that. We all are animals who love fucking sex because we're programmed to because, like, the world wants us to procreate. Like, it is the <laughs> natural order and it's fucking fine. Let's all go, like, jerk off and, like, admit we liked it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry krista
2: <laughs> i'm not sorry i'm loving it i'm loving it i know not everybody loves sex not everyone does but like i'd say most of us are wired to like it i agree with you Jolanta. Yeah, scientifically speaking most of us are wired to like it most
3: animals are i feel like frogs probably are too yeah yeah we
2: would have died out by now
3: all right next point comes from Jennifer D who says I struggle with sex positivity and how it's conveyed especially to teens I was promiscuous in high school because I honestly didn't know any better I had no good role models no one discussed this topic with me beyond my evangelical mother who assured me I would burn in hell Sex is fun, and it's important to know what we each enjoy. However, there are actual risks with sex, both physically and emotionally. It's kind of a big deal. I fear that Amber's message might overlook these risks, some of which can lead to lifelong issues. I hope I'm not coming off like a prude. Jennifer, you're not. I think you're coming off like a realist?
2: Well, you know what? I really like this response from Krista, because this was part of a Facebook thread. Mm. So Krista says, Sex-positive teachings and thinking aren't about promiscuity at all. In fact, they lower rates of assault, abuse, and people having sex before they're ready. Sex positivity is about having the positive role models, correct teachings, knowledge and control over your body and actions, and acting out of a place of consent and confidence versus ignorance. Promiscuity and abstinence are two sides of the same coin of negative sex teachings that lead to really harmful consequences because they're based on ignorance and emotion. Oh, I love that. Promiscuity versus abstinence? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm,
3: That's true. They're sort of part of the same, like, extremist coin. Yes. As opposed to, like, there's gray area. There's ways to be informed. It's not, like, all or nothing. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mary brings up a good point, which is I think anything having to do with sex is always going to have people applauding and people hating. We live in a world with a lot of sexual hangups and in hetero relationships, there's also the lack of gender equality that's going to come into play. I just hope we continue to talk about sex and do it better than in generations past. Speaking as an older woman, it seems we are.
2: I think we are, too. I mean, just Mm -hmm. in my lifetime, Jolenta, I think about some of the ways sex was talked about with me or, oh my God, there was this one sex ed book, my friend Andrea Wallenbring. I think I was in kindergarten or first grade. Uh, I'm not going to name the book because I hope it's updated and it's not as bad. But how I learned that, you know, all the details about how, you know, boys have urges and so on. And you know how sex happens a man has an urge and then he actually ejaculates in a woman and it's like well what about what is the woman feeling during all of this and i remember as a kid women have not really thinking about what the woman felt and as i got older it really hit me and i went back and i looked at that book a few years ago the early edition and i was like oh i wasn't taught what the woman felt i was only taught what the man felt so Mm. i think things are getting better i think sex ed books are better now
3: right i i think so i hope so I haven't read one in a long time.
2: <laughs> Maybe we should do a whole season of the show. Sex to
3: books. Just live by like textbooks. <laughs> oh, that's, that, that sounds exciting. Let's, <laughs> let's think about that and take a break, shall we? Uh, but yes. when we come back, we're going to talk about gay best friends and some other stuff. Stick around.
1: Hey,
2: everyone. We're back with listener comments about how to be a bad bitch by Amber Rose. And now let's talk about gay best friends. We got a a lot, a lot, a lot of feedback on gay best friends.
3: Bernie says, I am very uncomfortable with Amber Rose's advice to have a gay best friend and maybe also uncomfortable with the way Kristen approached it in this episode. From my outside perspective, knowing very little about your friendship and the situation overall, it seemed like inviting your friend out and then recording his reaction to you telling him that it was because the book told you to go out with your gay best friend didn't really do enough to avoid tokenizing him. I really think that Kristen could have made that point without using her friend as a prop. I'm not trying to be harsh, and maybe I'm being overly sensitive, but it definitely rubbed me the wrong way. I hope that I'm just missing context and that Eric was 100% fine with the situation.
2: Well, Bernie, I really appreciate your letter here. I think what you're doing here is making an extremely fair point. Nobody wants to be the punchline of a joke. Um, nobody wants to be set up to be humiliated. Nobody wants to have to be the poster child for whatever their identity is. Oh my God. Um, I know I don't, I know you don't, Jolenta, Uh, unless we're making ourselves the poster child. I don't think we want other people to just be like, you're my Asian best friend or whatever it is. I don't, I don't think any of us want that. So Bernie, that's like a very, very fair point. And I want to sincerely apologize to anybody out there who I made uncomfortable during that. Um, Mm. I'm sorry. I did not mean to send the message that it was okay to tokenize anyone. And uh, and uh, all that being said, though, we have a response from Eric himself who wanted us to play it.
3: Hit it, Brandon. Hey, Bernie. This is Eric Sasson, otherwise known as Eric Sasson on by the book. Um, I um, have been friends with
2: uh, Kristen for uh, many, many years. Uh, so I assure you I do not feel... Um, tokenized or offended by anything any of the many times that i've appeared on the show i believe that uh, part of that uh, episode had to do with uh advice that she was getting from a book and that we were sort of um poking fun at in a way um so i assure you uh, uh our relationship is real and i am not a token and that we don't actually go shopping together
3: <laughs> it's a very eric response <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's move on to something from Stephen, shall we? Stephen says, I think it's just shit to be tokenized for any reason. I have had people say, let's go shopping or let's watch Sex in the City. And I'm like, look at me. I'm clearly not a gay who shops.
2: You know, Jolenta, I, I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember when the first version of Queer Eye was out? Queer Eye for the uh, Of guides? course, yes. And there were all those op-eds being written by gay men saying, like, we are not all like this. A lot of yeah. us are
3: fat. I'm not a culture expert who looks like a model.
2: Yeah, it's like, I have hair all over my body and I don't want to remove it. I mean, come on. Not all of us want to scrape our tongues. Mm-hmm. I remember that the original Queer Eye, there was a lot
1: of Tung Tongue scrapers
3: scraping. were v in. We had just discovered <laughs> halitosis was something we could market towards, and yeah. we were all about it in the early two thousands.
2: Yes, yeah, but there was definitely a hashtag. I'm not a queer eye sort of guy.
3: I believe even towards the end of the series, they tried to address that by making over like a gay guy who was schlubby. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a reach. <laughs>
2: Oh, wow. Times change. Um, Erica had this to say. Erica says, I feel like straight women having a gay best friend is rooted in misogyny when you want stereotypical femininity because they obviously assume all gay men are feminine and sassy but not an actual woman. Someone who is a secondary character in the movie of your life but also feminine without ever having to interact with other women. It also reinforces the hierarchies that hetero-patriarchal society put onto queer communities. The gay best friend is valued by tokenization.
3: Another way that's sort of encouraged by the hetero lens is also like it's a guy you can hang with that like doesn't threaten your man. Yes. yes. You know, like he's not gonna try to fuck your girl. So it's like go hang out with your gay best friend. Like it's it's like I
2: oh yes, yes. Okay. That is also a good point. Oh, there's so many problems with all of it. Mm-hmm. So many problems. We could go on and on. But instead of going on and on, shall we move on to the topic of relying on men instead? Mm-hmm.
3: Or should we not move on because we don't need to rely on men? Um, no, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> yeah. In her book, Amber Rose says we should never rely on a man unless you really have to. And lots of people weighed in on Facebook to share stories of relying on men. Linda says, I've relied on men my entire life. You'd think I grew up in the 1950s. I guess I didn't think I could take care of myself 100%, so I never did. I'm now a housewife. I work, but not enough to support myself. I am also a feminist. I think of the two as diametrically opposed and even talk about it in therapy. There's shame for me in not being independent.
2: Mm. Mm. Linda, I'm glad you're talking with your therapist about that Mm -hmm. because— Shame doesn't help any of us, does it? Unless we're doing something truly awful and hurting other people. And it doesn't sound like you're doing anything truly awful here. I would say, like,
3: unless it's an actual indicator that it's doing something you shouldn't, usually it's like cultural hang-ups that have been, like, beaten into our head by, like, society or family members. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So
2: glad you're talking with your Mm -hmm. therapist about that. And um, I hope that you can, you know, get to a point where you're not beating yourself up so much about it. Right. Right. All right. Rachel has this to say, I relied on a man for a year and it was a nightmare, a zero out of 10 experience. If I had to do it again, I'd rather default on all my credit card payments.
3: I love like zero out of 10. I love that. Like We were like, rank it, rank it. And she was like, it's a zero out of 10. It's true. It's true. It it is a hard place to be sometimes. But
2: I can totally understand that also, Rachel, where it's like, oh, no, is my credit going to go down the toilet? Am I going to end up you know, twice as far in debt because right. of all of the interest payments on my credit cards? It's really scary. We can get destroyed Mm -hmm. so easily financially. And sometimes, you know, even if the rescue ladder is coming from someone terrible, it can be like, maybe I'll climb up that ladder for a little while. But I'm glad it only lasted a year. I will say that. I know a year can feel like forever, but uh, it's way better than like 20 years, right? Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Nikki says… I always wanted to be independent, but that's not quite how it worked out. I'm currently a stay-at-home mom caring for sick kids as well as a student training for a new career. My partner occasionally takes days off with the kids, but he owns a business, which makes it hard to do this often. While I value the care and work involved in keeping my family healthy and safe, it was never something I saw myself doing. It's definitely spurred some depression and relationship issues. That being said, my partner doesn't see it that way and views our setup as us both contributing equally. So that's at least reassuring.
2: Nikki, I'm going to back up your husband here. You are contributing equally. Mm-hmm. Caring for
3: sick kids, that sounds like a lot of work, just yes. as hard as running a business.
2: Absolutely, especially when you're also a student. I mean, you're going to school, you're a homemaker plus you're taking care that's of sick kids.
3: That's a ton of work. That's like 3 different jobs at once. That's way more than a full-time job.
2: Yeah, that's not just you being taken care of. It's you're also taking care of everybody mm-hmm. else at the same time.
3: And I think I I feel like I get like Nikki, where I'm like, this isn't what I thought I'd be doing. Thus, like, I'm disappointing myself and, you know, everyone. And Brad has always reminded me that, like, relationships ebb and flow. There have been times where I have supported both of us, and Brad was in a deep depression because he got, like, suddenly fired. There have been times where, like, we rely on Brad's income. There have been times where I, like, pick up nannying again to, like, add another income. Like, you know, we always take turns focusing on our education or having to table work to focus on family. And like, ideally, it doesn't stay in that situation forever. And everyone takes turns.
2: Yes, totally agree. 100%. Now, Crystal has a different take. Crystal says, immediately after getting engaged, I quit a toxic work environment with my fiance's support. Then, the day after I married my husband, he paid my tuition to finish college, something I had been wanting to do for over 10 years but could not afford to do. And I moved in with his dad, who lives close to campus. The bottom line is that if I did not trust him, I would not have married him, and he cared that I cared about finishing my degree. It worked really well for me, and I managed to shut out the little voice that told me it didn't count if I wasn't doing it on my own, because it did freaking count, I have the degree to prove it.
3: And like, why not take support and help when and where you can? Like, why not, you know, be able to be like, I'm lucky for having this support as opposed to like, I'm a shitty burden or like it doesn't count as much because like the people who love me like have resources that they can give me. Like, Mm -hmm. it counts. And like, you're lucky. And like, that's great.
2: Yeah. I also think Crystal makes a really good point here, which is that she trusted her husband and if she hadn't trusted him, she wouldn't have married him or accepted his help. Mm. I think the problem is oftentimes there are people that maybe um prove to be untrustworthy who then hold financial power over us, unfortunately. Oh which totally. Is something you talk about in an upcoming episode of the show. I don't want to ruin it. I take it back. No I
3: spoilers. Back. Just because you listen to a draft, Kristen. Doesn't- <laughs> <laughs> We can't do baby spoilies. I'm fine with it. I love a good teaser. (laughs) Sorry. Later this season. (laughs) On that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about some of the ways your bodies mortify you. And, of course, we will announce next week's book.
2: Jolenta, we are back talking about How to Be a Bad Bitch by Amber Rose. And now one thing that stood out to all of you out there about the book was that Amber says we should accept the fact that our bodies do mortifying things, and that includes bodies during sex. We asked you on Facebook Do you ever feel embarrassed or mortified by your own body with regard to sex or anything else? And oh, boy, did you have lots and lots of answers to give. We're going to read a few of them right now.
3: Meredith says, all the time I'm embarrassed by my body. I have hyperhidrosis, overactive sweat glands in my hands and feet. I sweat so much and all the time. It's so embarrassing and gross. I can't wear flip flops or most sandals because my feet sweat and slide in them. Giving handshakes and high fives are so stressful and awkward. It's made me really hate physical touch and most social interactions. Marinette, I feel you. Turns out that's one of my lupus symptoms sometimes. So I know the struggle of like trying to run around, like gripping my own shoes with my toes being like, please, I just am running late and can't slide out of my shoe right now. <laughs> Not to mention the struggle of finding a yoga mat. I recommend ones that have a cork covering.
2: Oh, that's mm-hmm. a good suggestion. These are solid takeaways right here on buy the Book for mm-hmm, all of you out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've
3: been sweaty. I know the drill.
2: Anna says, "I have an essential tremor, which means my hands shake all the time. I used to get so embarrassed by the fact that people would assume I was nervous when it is completely involuntary. I get less embarrassed now and will just explain in a matter-of-fact way unless they're being a jerk, in which case I will shame them for mocking a degenerative condition." Nice. See, that's a good use of shame right there.
3: Mhm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> feel shame. Don't mock that.
2: Yeah. See, that's how you use shame, folks. Mhm. <laughs>
3: Jessica has this to say. One time I farted when a really hot guy was going down on me, and it was a really bad fart. But he just kept on going. God bless him. I regularly cringe at that memory. I thought he was never going to call me again until he did. Again. Bless him. Ah, a classic fart. Ah,
2: you're not alone. It happens to lots of people, Jessica. You're getting relaxed. You're feeling the thing you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, all sorts of things are happening.
3: Muscles are clenching and I'm clenching.
2: Yeah. It's, it is what it is. It is what it is. And I am just going to guess that anybody who goes down on people has experienced that as well. It just happens, mm. right? Oh, I yeah. wonder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amy says, I'm probably not mortified enough. I'm a nurse and work in the specialty of urology with two doctors that have a subspecialty in pelvic floor disorders. So I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot. So I'm not embarrassed by my body at all.
3: I like it. That's great. Uh, yes. Can I tell you uh, one of my favorite childhood memories, really, really quick, Kristen? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. I, hear uh, them.
3: I was at my friend Lauren's house in around fourth grade, and her parents were an ER nurse and an ER doctor. And I'll never forget one time we were making macaroni and cheese with our little brother and her mom came home from a shift in the ER and she goes, well, I had to take an apple out of a guy's butt today. And it (laughs) blew my mind and it opened my eyes to the fact that like everyone's bodies go through so many things. And it also, if you can think of it, someone's done it. Yep. Yep.
2: No matter what, somebody's done it.
3: There's no shame in anyone's game, cause like, it's happened to all of us in some way or another. Maybe not with an apple, but maybe with a fart.
2: Yeah, all sorts of things.
3: That was the stupidest digression.
2: (laughs) No, 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 no. I love it. I love. I feel like I could go on a digression now about things and butts, but you know what? That that would just take up the next six hours. So let's not talk about that. That's a whole different
3: podcast.
2: Huge thanks to everybody who wrote in this week. Reminder, you can always share your thoughts and stories at 302-49-BOOKS. That's 302-492-6657.
3: Or you could also join us on our private Facebook community to talk more about farts or other things. We talk about books as well. Um, (laughs) You can find that at facebook.com slash groups slash btbpod.
2: And now, Jolenta, it's time It's Mm -hmm. that time when we announce next week's book.
3: Our next book is... I Have Chosen to Stay and Fight by Margaret Cho.
2: Am I going to have boxing gloves during this episode? Can I
3: leave and fight? Can I make the choice for someone else to leave? Listen next week to find out.
2: And that's it for this mini-sode of Buy the Book. Huge thanks to our fabulous production team at Stitcher, Daisy Rosario, Brandon Nix, Corinne Wallace, and Andy Christens. Thanks also to Nate Wida who composed our theme song and to the Rizzos who perform it.
3: Please stay in touch. Let us know if you have read How to Be a Bad Bitch. Send us your thoughts. Send us suggestions for other books to live by. Send us all your stuff you can email us at kristinangelenta at gmail.com you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at bythebookpod
2: and if you have not yet done so please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher every time we see a five star review we become badder and badder and badder bitches and so do you
3: and if you haven't told a friend about the show tell them about the show word of mouth really helps also you know they don't have to be a friend they could be a bad bitch or just a bitch we accept all listeners oh
2: yeah yeah tell them all <laughs> until <laughs> next time i'm kristen meinzer and i'm Jalenta greenberg thank you so much for listening bye-bye
3: Ba 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 ba. Our next book is bump ba bump bum ba, ba. I have chosen. <laughs> that was the weirdest. I'm I don't sorry. know what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> Stitcher.
2: Do you want to set your child up for success?